Amen. He is Lord in our lives. Praise the name of Jesus. Well, I'm excited about this message today because I feel like every message is the best message I ever preached because <laughs> it's exciting. It's for right now. And so I say, gosh, this is good. This is perfect for us right now. That's why my favorite verse in the Bible is the one I'm reading right then because that's the one I need for right now. So we're going to talk about the fourth part of this series called Seek Peace and Pursue It. Let me pray right now. Father, thank you for bringing us together. I thank you for your word. I ask you, Lord, for it to go into the hearts of the people so that they may receive it and be blessed from knowing what to do and doing it. In Jesus' name we pray and all agreed said, amen. So the first week we talked about seek peace and pursuit. That means you have to go after it. You have to make it a purpose to go and say, I'm going to try to make peace with someone that may be offended by something that you have done. Have you ever offended anybody? Have you ever said anything maybe the wrong way? They've taken it wrong, or maybe you did something that they didn't understand, and all of a sudden you have to go and make peace. Seek peace and pursue it. So it's an effort that we have. Jesus said it this way, if you go to, the, to make an offering and, and you have knowledge or you remember that somebody has ought against you, what do you do? You put your offering down, you go and you make peace with them. If you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you know that when there's uh, disunity in the body of Christ, it upsets the Lord. That's who we're serving. That's his child. And so he wants us as much as life in us to live peaceably with all men. And, uh, you know, I play basketball Tuesday and Thursdays every week. It's my release, time to get all my competitive juices out. And so I always ask the Lord, Lord, what kind of day am I going to have today? Am I going to be the hero <laughs> or I'm going to be the goat? Am I going to miss my shots or am I going to make the game winner? And so this Sunday, last Tuesday, he said, well, just play it cool today. I go, what does that mean, play it cool? So I get in there, we're playing and everything, and I went for a rebound, and the guy tries to grab the ball out of my hands, and I said, what are you doing? Can't you play like a gentleman? You see I had the ball. And so we did, you know, the thing, come, stop it. So I, in our Bible study, we have Bible study, we talk about these lessons and break it down, and so we were talking, and I said, yeah, the Lord told me to play it cool. And they said, well, you didn't play it cool. I said, well, after that little incident, I played it cool. And so Rudy and Gina look at me and said, well, why don't you just let them have the ball? I go, that was such a foreign thought to me. Just let them have the ball? I said, aren't you supposed to just be playing for fun? No, we're not playing for fun. <laughs> and then Charlie looks at me and he says, what, how old are you guys, four and five? Now, I wasn't mad at Charlie, but I did call the district and I told him to yank his ordination uh, application. Because <laughs> we can't have that kind of insubordination in the Bible study. I'm the pastor. But I had to make an adjustment, live peaceably. So I'm learning, even in the message, to learn and listen to my own messages about how to have, I look for that time, have peace. Peace, calm, you know, calm down, slow down, settle down. Why? Because when you settle down, the Spirit of the Lord will take over and he'll give you wisdom and what you need to do and how you need to act. Praise God. We learned, my wife and I, we learned when you go to a pharmacy or a drugstore or wherever you're at and they don't give you what you want right away, don't get all upset. Calm down. Say, Lord, I know you can work this out. For instance, today at the park, I've been calling the director of the park for about two months, 
not getting any answers, just saying, what in the world's going on? I know this guy. We rented from the facility for 12 years. He's not returning my calls. I wanted to go and wring his neck. Part, oh, I'm sorry, you know. But I didn't because I said, Lord, you have a way. You will do it. And so yesterday I went down there and they were having a little league game. And I asked, is the president of the, corporate, of the league here? And he said, oh, yeah, he's right over here. So I went there and I told him, you know, um, we are a church down the street. We're having a, 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 a picnic and we would like to use the field. Would that be all right? And he goes, sure. What time do you want me to open it up? I go, well, we're coming at 12. He says, I'll do it at 1030. It'll be ready for you. I go, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Why? Because you calmed down and asked for the Lord. The timing was perfect that I got there at the exact right time. Now, if I would have got upset, if I would have just blown my top, I would have lost relationship with the park director and God knows who else. But you have to have peace. Okay, so then the second week we talked about the three steps to having peace. First is rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. What does that mean? That means you're supposed to have fellowship with the Lord. Enjoy Him. That's more important than anything else. And when He's on your side, and when you're in union with Him, things seem to work out for your good. Why? Because He's working them out for your good. It's no longer you that's doing it. So you can be confident and know that He's going to do things because you're rejoicing in Him. You have a fellowship. You have a relationship with Him. The second thing is, um, let your gentleness be known unto all men. So I'm wondering, you know, would people say, that person is just so gentle, so kind, so loving. If they asked your relatives, what would they say? <laughs> or the people that you live with, or the people that you work with. No, they wouldn't say that about me. You know, I can remember my wife was telling me of her, her mother was married to a guy who was mean. And he wouldn't let her turn the air conditioning on when it was hot, didn't let her turn the heater on when it was cold, didn't let her move the furniture. He was just darn right mean. And so they separated and then he passed away. And so she went to the funeral. And so at the funeral, I guess he either got saved or he went to church and started changing his life. So at the funeral, they were saying what a great man he was, how kind he was and how good he was. And she had to look at the programs. Is, am I on the right? Is this the right place? Is this the right funeral that I'm supposed to be at? <laughs> so we, had a, we did have a homegoing service just yesterday for one of my teachers, and uh, I mentioned it last week that I was excited to go and hear all the wonderful things that they were going to say about her. And they did, but they asked me also to say something. And I was only one of the two students that they picked, and every one of us said this person was kind right down deep to the bone. And you know, when things happen and don't go right, how do you react? Are you rejoicing in the Lord? Is your gentleness uh, being known to all men? And the third thing is you have to pray about everything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Who are you going to complain to? The Lord. He'll take care of you. He'll help you. He'll work with you. And then the last, uh, last week, we talked about peace that uh, comes not from us. We don't have to get peace in our heart. The Bible says that Jesus, when he spoke to his disciples, said, my peace I leave with you. Not your peace, it's his peace. So where do you get this peace? Where do you, where do you buy it? Where do you pick it up? Is it at Walmart? Is it on the will call? You know, is it on Amazon? Where do you get it? It's in the word of God. It's in the Holy Spirit that you can have the peace that passes 
all understanding. So we have to keep our, and I learned what the terminology is, hold your peace. That's kind of a funny term, hold your peace. But I learned going through yesterday and trying to go through all the uh, stores with all the crowds and everything, you have to hold your peace. That means the peace that Jesus has given to you, hold on to it. Don't let the distractions and the disturbances of this world mess you up. Hold on to the peace that God has for us. Praise God. So this week, that was just a recap for those of you that weren't here, those of you that forgot. How many of you are exercising peace in your life? You find more peace in your life, no matter what you're facing. I got, boy, okay, I need more work. Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> Maybe this will help you today. Okay, so today we're going to talk about you can have what you say, or better put, watch your mouth. <laughs> you know, your mouth will get you in trouble. You say things, you go like, I don't know where that came from. Well, I do. It's from your heart, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Husbands and wives, when they talk, they said, you know, they might get in an argument, and then a day later, they say, I didn't really mean that. You said it. <laughs> Somebody else didn't say it. You said it. <laughs> So there's something on the insides that we have to settle so that our mouth will talk right. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. So we're going to talk about an Old Testament story, a New Testament story, and then some principles that we use to bring this mouth into line. How many of you know you need your mouth in line? The Bible says if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. I just can't control it. Just seems like it just goes crazy, just flies out and just says it, whatever it wants. No, you're saying it. You're the one. Deep down, you've got hurts and pains that are coming out. So here we go. Let's look at this. Uh, we're going to talk about a story about a guy named Elijah. We can, sh we can show a picture of him. And uh, Elijah was a man of God, and he was traveling around, and he was uh, ministering as a prophet. And... Um, so one of the women that was there, she was a, they don't even mention her by name, it's, they said it's a Shunammite woman from Shuna, and uh, she, she saw him come by periodically, and she said, let's set some food out for him so he can have something to eat before he takes his travels. So the guy would come and he'd eat, and uh, they noticed, she said, I perceive that he is a man of God. He wasn't preaching, he wasn't in church, but they perceived that he was a man of God. My question to you is, can people perceive that you are a child of God by the way you act, the way you eat, the way you talk, the way you live? Or do they say, you're a Christian? I didn't know that. I'm so surprised. <laughs> Where do you go to church? They must not teach you anything at that church. Praise the Lord. But we have to, just by our actions, the way you eat, people look at the way you eat. If, are you just like chowing it down? Do you say grace? How do you eat? Or you do eat, you know, when you're on a date, okay? Remember how you eat when you're on a date? You don't, you don't try to show that you're a glutton. You know, you try to be calm, just kind of, you know, tiny bit, you know. Oh, do you want to eat more? No, I'm full. Thank you so much. You know. You know. Then when you're married, you got big food in your cheeks and everything. You don't even look up. You just keep your head down. But they perceived that he was a man of God by the way he ate, by the way you play softball, okay? We're going to find out. <laughs> you know, we, at my former church, we used to have picnics every, every year. And Melanie, you can attest to this. 
And she was there with us. But we used to have volleyball games. And for two years in a row, they had to stop the game because people were arguing so much. And the worst offenders were the pastors. <laughs> so the third year, they said, okay, no more volleyball game. We're not playing. Well, you, got, you, you kids, you just can't act right. Am I right? Am I true? Right. That's true. Amen. <laughs> arguing and fighting. So if someone was coming by, this is a church group? <laughs> They're throwing stuff at each other, yelling. And so when we go over there, let's try to be, you know, churchy. Praise the God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, so, they, so the woman, she was a notable woman. She had a lot of money. So she told her husband, let's build a little room for him so he can come and sit. And, and he can have a table. And he can have a chair. And he can have a bed. So he can study. And so they did this for a while. Then after a while, the prophet said, you know, I want to give you something. I, I know kings and I know governors. We can get you out of this, this city. We can do some great things for you. What, what can we do for you? And she said, I'm, I'm content. I'm peaceful. I'm happy where I'm at. And then her, his servant said, but she doesn't have a child. So the prophet said, this time next year, you will have a child. And she said, don't lie to me. Don't, don't be teasing me about that. Don't be saying... Uh, I was thinking, how many times have you gone to a meeting where the prophet uh, prophesied, next year you're going to be married, or next year you're going to have a baby, and it doesn't happen. You wonder, like, what? So she was saying, don't lie to me. If it's going to happen, you, you know, tell me the truth. And sure enough, in one year's time, she did have a baby. And so the baby grew, became a young boy, and was out in the fields. And in, while she was in the fields... He cries out, my head, my head, and he falls to the ground. And all the commentaries say it was a heat stroke that he suffered there. So the father said, take the boy into her mother. And so let's see what happens. So he died. Now what up with that? <laughs> the promise was you're going to have a child. Okay, we have a child, and now the child dies. Have you ever had a promise from God? You believe something was going to happen? And it looked like it was going good, and then all of a sudden it dies? What do you do? Do you give up? What do you say? Do you get mad at God? Do you get mad at the prophet? What do you do? Well, let's see what she did. What she did is she told the husband, I'm going to go see the man of God. Saddle me up a donkey. I'm out of here. I'm going to go talk to that man. And it was 20 miles away. So let's look at the slide in 2 Kings 4. It said, so he said, well, why are you going to him today? Is it neither the new moon or the Sabbath? Oh, it is neither the new moon, new moon nor Sabbath. And she said what? Don't you know the boy's dead? What's wrong with you? Is that what she said? No. She said, don't you have any sense? Don't you know we're in trouble here? The boy's dead, my only son. No, she said, it shall be well. What was that? That's faith talking. When you get into situations where you don't know what's going on, you, you think God has left you, the promises are not coming to pass, what do you say? It shall be well. It's going to be all right. Amen? She watched what she said. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Let's see. The next slide. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant, Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, no, are you kidding me? The boy you promised is dead. 
My husband, he don't know what to do. He's at home. I have to come all this way. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at God. What's going on here? Is that what we say? In our back room, we do. In our heart of hearts, we do. But she said what? It is well. What are you facing today? What are the situations that you're facing? It may be a long way off what you're believing for, but you have to say in your heart and know it is well. Here she's facing the worst tragedy of all. Her, her boy, whom she loves, is dead. But she said, it is well. So she went to the, the prophet, and the prophet said, I'm going to send my servant on, and he'll take care of it for you. And she said, oh, no. Oh, no, you're coming with us. So the servant went there, and the man of God went there, and he went into the room, and he laid on the boy. Let's see. He laid on the boy. He breathed into his nostrils. And the Bible says that he put his face to his face, his mouth to his mouth, his hands to his hands, and he breathed life into the boy, and the boy came to life. Amen? Now, what if she would have complained and said all these things bad? Do you think her faith would have been there? No. She said, it is well. So when people come to you and say, well, how are situations going in your life? It is well. God receives that, and he, he, he uh, honors that. Praise the Lord. So let me, let's see a, a, a story in the Bible where Jesus had this happen to him. In Mark 5, 22. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, and Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Say, great multitude. Great. Let's look at the next slide. The next slide shows Jesus talking to the, the guy. I mean, he's talking to Jairus. Jairus says, please, you got to come. My daughter is grievously sick. She's at the point of death. And so as they were walking along, uh, let's look at the next slide, Mark 5, 25. Now as they were walking, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, and Another translation is, for she had been saying to herself, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Isn't that something like what the Shunammite woman said? It will be well if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And so I want to just kind of show that a little bit here. And, uh, because she kept saying over and over and over, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. I shall be made well. So I can imagine she's in her house, and she hears a knock at the door. And some neighbor comes by. Sorry, neighbor. Okay, you're just going to have to go. The neighbor comes by and says, what? You have to come see the new guy in town. Have you heard about Jesus? Je Jesus, he's the guy. He's the healer. He's been going around, traveling to all these different towns. He's been healing people of you know, blindness, lame people, lepers. He's been healing everybody. Maybe this guy can heal you. Yeah, maybe he can. You should go see Jesus. He's coming into town today. You should come see him. Okay, okay. He can heal all these people. Come on. All what right. You got to lose. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. Come on, see Jesus. I've been, I've been to all the doctors. 
I'm nothing better, but rather I'm growing worse. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch, 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 touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. So all throughout the day, as she was going in her house, she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. When she washed her clothes, she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. As she cooked her breakfast or her dinner or whatever, if I can just touch the hem, I shall be whole. Thank you. I can just touch him. So what did she do? When he came to town, she tried to find him in the crowd. She tried to position herself. You ever t- <laughs> I remember one time I went to go see uh, Kenneth Hagin in, in person, and he was prophesying, and he would go to the one side of the room, and he'd prophesy, and then he'd go to the other side of the room, and he'd prophesy. Guess what I was doing in the back? Going from side to side. So she was doing that, trying to line up Jesus. I got to, whoa, Jesus, he's coming this way. Ah, ah, and she just reached up and grabbed the hem of his garment, and she became whole. Now, Jesus could have kept going. He didn't have to stop, but he stopped and said, who touched me? And the woman said, I touched you. Let's see what happens here. Next verse. And he looked around. Oop, no, go back one more, yeah. Go back. Yeah. And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now, I want to tell you something. When a woman tells you the whole truth, we're talking in at least 30, 35 minutes. <laughs> the whole truth and nothing but the truth to help you, God, right? You have to get it out. You know, <laughs> I always tease my wife because... I'm used to it, and I enjoy it now, but when I ask her, well, how was the movie that you saw? Said, well, it's about this lady. She, she went back to her hometown, and she met this guy that she hadn't dated in a long time, and da-da-da-da-da, and the whole story I get. And then I ask her, well, what happened at the end? She said, I can't remember. I fell asleep. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. But I just enjoy listening. And Jesus will love to listen to your story, the whole truth. And so he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. He had to cut her off. Okay, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, what's Jairus doing? Jairus is sitting there like, okay, lady, come on. I got to get Jesus over to my daughter. What are you doing? Stop talking. You ever have your... You ever been in that situation where you're waiting to talk to somebody and someone else is going on and on and on and on? So do we have peace or no? Yes, we have peace. Let's, uh, let's uh, okay, so let's, here's a picture of the lady talking, right? And then let's see the next slide. While he was still speaking, while Jesus was speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Now, what would Jesus do when he heard it? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Amen? So let's reenact this a little bit. I need to... Richard, let me put you into... into, This is a non-speaking part. (laughs) Okay, you and me, you be Jairus. And I'm Jesus, and we're walking along, and we're going to the house, and then the woman starts talking, and so, uh, who can be the woman? Uh, Rebecca, come here. It doesn't hurt, Rebecca. (laughs) 
You've been here long enough, okay? So you're the woman. Grab, my, grab the hem of my garment. Oh, what are you? Oh, you're the one that touched me. Oh, praise God. And so you be, you be the man that comes in and said, Daughter, you're, you're, the thing that you just said. Oh, here's Jesus. No, no, no. Don't trouble the master any longer. Oh, your servant. Any longer. That's what you're telling this guy, right? Your daughter is dead. Your daughter is dead. She's dead, so quit bothering Jesus. Okay, sit down. <laughs> I'm trying to get see the format here. Because Jesus is talking to her. He's talking to him. What does Jesus have to do? Turn around and said, says what? Do not be afraid. Only believe. So what is he saying? He was trying to catch it before it went down into his heart and where he was disappointed and discouraged. I learned, thank you, Richard. Thank you, Rebecca. Good job. I learned this lesson a long time ago. And you know what? When you hear these things, these principles, you should put them into your life so that you can have success. So the first thing that you hear, the way you react, is going to govern and dictate and direct the way you're going to be going and where you're going to be believing God for. Once it seeps down in there, you're in trouble. Melanie, you've heard that, right? Amen. So I heard that and I said, okay, I'm going to change my reaction to things. I'm not going to jump and say, oh, okay, well, this is over. Things are bad. This is not going to be good. I can remember I was at my other church. We lived in, uh, on, the, on the premises in a parsonage and our front yard was a parking lot. And so it was foggy that day and I got in my car and I was looking at my papers and I got ready to go and bam, there was a pole right in front of me. It wasn't there the night before. Somehow, some way, somebody put it there at nighttime. And so I got out and I looked at my car and I went, oh my God. And I said, Lord, Father, help me get out of this. I didn't say, I didn't cuss, hallelujah. Didn't slam my hand on the dashboard. I didn't hit myself on the head. Say, you stupid guy. I said, Father, help me get out of this. And then a peace came on me. And he, he, he brought to my remembrance, we had a guy that had a body shop, and he said, go talk to Barry, he'll help you out. I call him, I said, Barry, I got a problem. I just ran into a pole. Actually, the pole ran into me. <laughs> he said, well, bring it down, we'll take care of it for you. I brought it down, and he said, oh yeah, we can fix it up. It's going to be about two or $3,000. He said, we'll cover the, the deductible for you. I go, can you have it ready by tonight? I don't want to tell my wife about this. <laughs> he said, now you're asking for too much. <laughs> but I didn't have any uh, insurance for a, a rental car. So somebody lent me their classic car to drive around for a week until they got it fixed. Now, mind you, I just ran into a pole. <laughs> and he's giving me his classic car <laughs> to drive. That's faith, okay? <laughs> but it worked out. So remember, when things go, don't go right for you, the first reaction is how, you're going to is how it's going to dictate how you're going to believe God. Praise God. So what happened? Jesus went with Jairus, and he, next slide, he raised her from the dead. Hallelujah. Glory to God, and he'll do great things for you. So it's what you say out of your mouth makes such a big difference. It dictates how you're going to act and where your faith is. 
Praise God. Now let's look at this in James chapter 3, 5, verses 6, because Jesus realized the power that's in your words. That's why he tried and he went back and he said, don't listen to that word. So let's look at it in James 3, 5 and 6. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindles. All I said was this little, and what happened? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So the tongue among, is among our members, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell itself. So that means when you're talking sometimes, the devil from hell gives you thoughts and gives you opinions and judgments on people before the time. And, and so you're, not, you're being used by the devil. Do you want to be used by the devil to do these kinds of things? And how many of you got in trouble by speaking? And all of a sudden, you got a whirlwind, you got a fire. Let's look at it right here. Let's look at the fire. Ouch. What happened? All I said, I just said, you know, I think you, you know, this or that. And all of a sudden, they're mad at you. People down the street are mad at you. Everybody's mad at you. Okay, James, next slide. James 3, 7 through 8. We're going to go kind of fast here. For every kind of beast and birds and serpents and, and of things in the sea is tame but, and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue no man can tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. All you have to do is try to listen to yourself for a day. See what comes out of your mouth. You know, I, I, I've tried. I said, okay, Lord, today I'm going to have a perfect day. Everything I say is just going to come out just right. I don't get past noon. I tell you, all of a sudden... Why did I say that? Why, why was I thinking that? You can't tame the tongue. Let's see. You can tame beasts. Let's look at the next slide. You can tame beasts. <laughs> That's a little scary, isn't it? But that, that, that tongue is saying, but it's easier to do that than it is to tame this. Because the problem is in our heart. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay. So let's look at the next slide. We're going quick because we're going to get to the picnic. Okay. <laughs> James 3, 9 through 10 says, Therewith your mouth you bless God, even the Father, and curse men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Let's look at the, the person in church. Praising God. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. You're so wonderful. I love everybody. And then you go home and let's see what happens on the slide. Ah! Why did you do that? Why are you upsetting me this way? <laughs> I tell the story. I went to a, a, a praise meeting or a, a, a prayer meeting in the morning. And I went home to be with my family and they were eating breakfast and I come in and I start talking and before you know it my wife and I would get in an argument I'm going like how did I looked at my son I go see you see how the devil gets in here he said dad we were fine until you came <laughs> you brought the devil with you okay James 3 13 and 17. Last, uh, next to last, almost next to last. Line. Okay. Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with what kind of wisdom? Meekness of wisdom. 
kind, gentle. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Learn how to talk right. Get your foundation right. Rejoice in the Lord. Be gentle to all men. So I've got some scriptures here. I passed them out. If you guys can get ready, because I think after we leave here, uh, hopefully you'll be thoroughly convinced that our mouths have to be tamed. So let's look at the, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Let me see. Is this, we should, I guess it's the battery's not working, right? Oh, here we go. Proverbs 15, 23. No, no, no. We want one. Yeah, 15-1. Let me see. Oh, you got one. Okay, read, read one. That's it. Go ahead. One. Yeah, one, the circle. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath. That means when people are upset at you, what do you do? Fuel the fire? Try to match them in volume? Try to argue with them? No, soft, you know what a soft answer can be? I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Forgive me. I apologize. I don't know what I was thinking. We had a guy at church, and <laughs> whatever he did wrong, when you confronted him, he just apologized all the time. I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, I don't know. What, yeah. I'll, I'll be better. How can you get mad at a guy like that? He diffused anger. Okay, who has uh, number four? Okay, pass it over. A wholesome, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but the perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Yeah, see, when you say bad words, it's a breach, it's a break, it's a cut in the spirit. You're causing dissension. You're causing people to be, uh, lose the spirit of unity. Okay? Now we go. Now we go. Proverbs 15, 23. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? How, how good is it when you say, when you're in a group, and you say something, and everybody goes, ah, that's good. That's wonderful. Praise the Lord. Amen? So, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. And uh, 20, uh, 28? 28? 28. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. So the righteous, he studies, thinks. How am I supposed to answer? He just doesn't let things pour out of his mouth and say, oh, I'm sorry. What they say, you can't unscramble eggs. Once you said it, it's there. Right? So, but a righteous, the heart, your heart has to say, is this really what I want to say? You know, we've learned when you do emails. You ever do emails when you're mad? You type them up, not anymore. You type them up, you, okay, there. And you send it, and the next day you go like, ooh, what did I say? And it's written down, too. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Okay, 16.1. Use the mic. Are you 16-1? Yeah. Oh, who's 16-1 over here? I'm sorry. Oh, 16-1? I better read it then. 
verse 13 says, Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him that speaks right. That means when you want to be, you want to be, you know, in an upper echelon of people, you have to talk right. You can't just come in and say anything you want. You have to be, you know, gracious and kind and loving. All right, 21? 21. The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lip increases learning. Wow. So the sweetness of your lips increases. People don't want to listen to somebody that's just badgering them, complaining to them, asking why are you, aren't you doing the right thing, but be sweet, right? And it will increase learning. They'll catch on to it. Sometimes you say things, and they may not get it right away. You know that? You plant a seed, and then before you know it, they start thinking about what you said. The Lord starts encouraging them, confirming it, and before you know it, they're doing what you had thought. But see, if they do everything you say, who becomes God? You become God. You're the one directing everything. But God says, let me do it. Praise God. 23? Yes. Heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. So the heart of the wise teaches his mouth. Mouth, you're going to listen to me. <laughs> you're not just going to fly off the handle. You're not just going to get upset. You're not going to. I'm, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind because if you keep giving a piece of your mind, what happens? You're not going to have anything left, <laughs> and you've caused a bunch of hurt and pain with all the people that you've left. And the last one is. Pleasant words are as honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. So church, know you can have what you say. Watch your mouth, be kind, be considerate, be loving, and the God of all peace will be with you and cause good things to happen in your life. Amen? Okay, let's close our eyes and let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you for bringing us together to hear your word, to hear encouragement, to know that our words, they dictate and they cause us to go down pathways that you want us to go. So Lord, direct our hearts, cause us to say pleasant things to people. Teaching, our, let our heart teach our mouths what we're supposed to say so that we can be kind and bring peace to all that we come in contact with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.